Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Read Option Podcast. As always, I have the full band back together on a normal Tuesday show. How's everything going, Brentley? I'll start with you, man. How's everything going with you? It's going good. You know, uh, had a rough day Saturday with the Ducks taking an L. Um, but other than that, it was a good another good weekend of football. Had some really good games yesterday um, on the NFL front. Uh, today, or last night, excuse me, on Monday, I saw the Chargers get a really good win against a Raider football team that I think is um, let's turn the corner, in my opinion. I think they're real, the real deal football team. So, overall, good weekend, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Can't complain at all. Whenever I'm around football, I'm always good. You guys know that. But, Jerry, how, how's everything going with you, man? Great, man. Uh, things are going well. Glad to be back. And, uh, yeah, man, just uh, ready to get this pod popping. Absolutely. So, just to give you guys a quick show notes or show rundown, I should say, a lot of topics to discuss. We'll quickly go over the the Raiders and then also the Chargers game. Some of our biggest takeaways. We'll give out our game balls or some prospects that stood out to us, and then we'll go through the big three of the games that we talked about on last Friday's show with Brinley and myself. And we'll do a quick recap of all of those, which were Georgia, Arkansas, Alabama, Ole Miss, and then also Cincinnati and Notre Dame. And then we'll finish up today's show with our biggest takeaways from week four of the NFL action, which was very interesting, to say the least. So starting at the top with the Raiders and the Chargers, the Chargers end up getting the victory 28 to 14. The Raiders suffered their first defeat of the year and the Chargers really dominated the game, in my opinion, the first half. I mean, but it was 21 nothing, And then the Raiders storm back. They go 14 unanswered points. And then the Chargers go down and get a big score. But my biggest takeaway is Justin Herbert's the real deal, man. Like, I did not expect him to be this good right away. But when I tweeted about this last night of how quarterback evaluations are really, really hard. And then in that offense, um, the the offensive coordinator's name is escape, escaping me from Oregon uh, that Marcus they let go Aurora. last year. Yeah, yeah. He, he did Herbert such a disservice, man. You know, east and west offense, a bunch of side-to-side movements, perimeter screens, and that just wasn't Herbert's game. And it kind of was a negative fault for his evaluation and really made things hard. But looking back on it, and it's kind of revisionist history with this, but just seeing him play at the Senior Bowl and just how well he did there, that kind of could give you a telltale of what he could be on the next level. And that's not to say – you know, the sample size at the senior bowl should outweigh what we saw in his career, but just being in a different type of system and how clean his evaluation was at the senior bowl, that kind of should have gave us a little bit of an indicator of what he could be on the next level. And I think a lot of people got too wrapped up in the personality of how he's just laid back and, you know, quiet and things like that. And, you know, a lot of people get kind of caught up in that personality thing with the quarterbacks. You don't have to be a rah-rah guy in order to be a leader in the locker room. He's kind of more of a lead by example type of guy, which is fine. It just depends on, uh, you know, the, the locker room that you're in and there's uh, whatever floats your boat as a team. Some teams or some evaluators don't really believe in that lead by example type of player. But Herbert definitely is a case of where you kind of have to reevaluate yourself and then it helps you learn from quarterback evaluations, too. So Justin Herbert is my biggest takeaway from this game. And he's really starting to you know enter that top 10 type of player at the position. In my opinion, I think he's that good 
right now. So, Dre, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways from this Raiders-Chargers matchup? A few of the things, man, that I uh, that I took away from it, man, was that the Chargers, man, like they uh, uh, can can certainly stand to improve uh, their pass rush, man. I think that uh, that uh, uh, that they need to um, find some way to generate some pressure uh, on the opposing quarterback. <laughs> and of course, uh, Justin Herbert played well, man. I mean, and and uh, and I think that. Uh, uh, the Las Vegas has surprised a few people, man. I mean, in a way that they played to uh, start the season, and they definitely uh, look uh, look very explosive uh, on offense as well. So, those were a few of the takeaways that I took uh, uh, took from the game. For sure, Brantley. What about you? Yeah, a couple things. I think obviously you can start with the quarterback Justin Herbert. He was another really good game. Twenty five or thirty eight. 222 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Was just really dialed in through accurate passes. He showed off his strong arm. But I just thought he made really good decisions, on, and he was excellent on third. And even on fourth down, you see Staley trusting him in, in my opinion, risky situations. I think the ball's on their own 40-yard line. Um, they're up a score, not even two scores yet, up one score. And you're going to keep the ball in your quarterback's hands. And Herbert delivers with a strike to uh, Jared Cook for the first down, keep the chains moving. It's things like that, the, the how Staley's has been staying aggressive in those key moments, those pivotal moments of the football game that Anthony Lynn just simply didn't do last year. And I think it's really paying off for this Chargers football team, which has been known to lose a ton of close games. I think the Raiders' offensive line really struggled tonight, in my opinion. Derek Carr was sacked. I think he was sacked four times today. I just uh, I I feel like he never had a chance to really set his feet and, and really look comfortable in the pocket. A lot of the plays he did make were him scrambling and, and kind of chucking it down to Henry Ruggs, who has just been phenomenal this year. By the way, I know he got kind of got crapped on last year as a rookie when all the other rookie receivers seemed to be outproducing Ruggs, and obviously Ruggs was the first one drafted. But I think he's really coming to his own, which has been great for the Raider offense. But I think ultimately it just comes back to just. Brandon Staley, he has this Charger team playing well. Herbert is looking like, to me, easily a top 10 quarterback. I think the, the better conversation is he top five. I think that's what we got to talk about at this point in time, uh, just the way how, how he's playing at this moment. Um, but I think these are two playoff, these are two potential playoff teams. I think both these teams will be competing for the wild card spot. I do think the Chiefs win this division, but I think both teams are heading in the right direction. It was a really good Monday night football game. Yeah, it was. And, you know, Staley's really impressive. I've been mm-hmm. impressed with him so far as a head coach, being a first-time head coach, just how aggressive he has been. And I'm not sure if you guys watched the Chiefs game or not, but him going forward on fourth down essentially won them that game. And I've been really impressed with him. You know, a lot of people had a lot of great things to say about him as far as when he was the D.C. with the Rams and how much high praise he got there. And there were some question marks if it would translate to the Chargers, but it definitely has. And I love seeing teams kind of bring in that new face or new guy in the sense that everybody kind of criticized, you know, kind of criticized the hire just because it wasn't the popular hire. Everybody thought he was a little bit too young and not ready. He wasn't going to have strong coordinators, didn't know a lot of people around the league as far as how to build a staff or knowing how to build a strong staff. But He's completely debunked all of that stuff. So I love when teams go with the fresh new ideas and taking a risk with these head coaching hires and going off on the limb. But 
Um, before we move on, uh, I want to remind everybody, and I want to tell you guys about our new sponsor over at Home Field. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. They have incredibly comfortable and officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. One of the coolest things is that Homefield studies school history and goes through the archives. They create thoughtful venture designs that represent the school's history. They're actually wrapping up their big new Saturday season two. They launch six new schools each Saturday. All summer, a new school gets released every Saturday, but they are going to continue to release and refresh schools all year long. They actually have over 100 schools officially licensed and adding more all the time. Listen, I'm trying to get some North Carolina Central gear so that I can represent my alma mater everywhere I go. Hopefully they get that up very soon. But I did have some Clemson gear on the way to represent number one overall pick and the newest quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. So I can't wait to show that off on the next show. You yourself can get involved. You can get 15% off of your first purchase from Homefield by using the code TDN. During checkout, head over to the website, which is homefieldapparel.com. Check out all of the schools they have. They have they add schools all, all the time. And when you put in the code TDN during checkout for your first purchase, you will receive 15% off over at homefieldapparel.com. Again, that's code TDN at homefieldapparel.com. All right. So the next thing that we want to discuss is game balls for the week. We had the week five college football action all over the country. And what a week it was. We'll talk about some performances later on when we go through our recaps. But some players that caught your eye. And, Brentley, I'm going to come back to you. Who were a couple of players that caught your eye that you give your game ball to this week? Yeah, so I'm going to stay with the uh, Alabama and Georgia. Alabama, I'm sorry, the Georgia and uh, Arkansas game. That was one of the games of the week. So I think they were number two or number eight in the country. But how about linebacker and a Kobe Dean? You know, he's, he's been really strong this season. I thought on Saturday he was everywhere. He had four tackles. He had one and a half sacks, two tackles for loss. He's he's. I think he's really the heart and soul of this Georgia defense. You see him playing middle linebacker. He runs sideline to sideline. He blitzes the quarterback. He's excellent in coverage. I don't think he has, like, the best physical traits in the world. He's a little undersized, but you can tell the heart he plays with. I think he, his energy is contagious. He's he, The passion for the game is really just outstanding. Um, I love what this kid stands for, and I thought he was everywhere on Saturday. So give my game ball to Nicobe Dean, who, by the way, he may not be the best athlete, but he has certainly helped himself, in my opinion, uh, for this upcoming draft. I could talk about this Georgia defense all yeah. podcast long just because those dudes are so it, much fun to watch on tape. And, you know, I'll just continue, I'll continue to trend with the Georgia defense. And the player that I'm giving my game ball to is defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt. And yeah. we talk about Jordan Davis and Adam Anderson and some of the other players along this defensive line. Devontae Wyatt has been the player that's been the most consistent among the group. He had one and a half sacks and then also a tackle and a half uh, tackles for loss in this game, too. And then the Arkansas offense just was not able to do anything in this game at all. And, you know, big number 95 was just flying all over the field. So Devontae Wyatt would definitely be the person that I get my first game ball to. But, Dre, I'm going to come to you now. Who's a player that really caught your eye this weekend? Uh, a few of them. Uh, I'm going to stay out west uh, with mine. Uh, the first player that, uh, that stood out to me was Jaden Daniels. Uh, he, uh, he finally started playing like the player uh, we, we know he can be. Uh, ASU upset Oregon, uh, the, uh, the number 20, uh, 20 ranked team in the country. Uh, Jaden played exceptionally well. Uh, he was 13 for 18 for 
uh, 286 yards and two touchdowns, and he helped uh, ASU secure the lead uh, in the Pac-12 South. I mean, so uh, my first uh, game ball goes to Jaden Daniels. Yeah, and, you know, Jaden, he, he's been a difficult projection just because of the inconsistencies that he's been battling ever since his career has started. But his build looks a little bit bigger, looks a little bit thicker, and the coaches have been saying he's hovering around 200 pounds. He's throwing the ball a little bit better this year, and I really like how he played last week. So I'm glad that you mentioned him. But I'm going to stay for my second game ball. I'm going to stay on the quarterback train. I'm going to go with Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett. And, you know, just watching Pickett last year, you saw the talent was there. And, you know, he's not a uber talented as far as arm strength and, and, and things of that nature as far as the actual qualities on the field. But he looks much better this year. And he finished 23 of 36, 389 yards and four touchdowns against Georgia Tech. They get the 52 to 21 victory. And he actually broke Dan Marino's record over a three-game period of where he threw 14 touchdowns Marino set the record in like 1981 I think it was he had like 13 so Pickett's tossing the ball all over the field right now and he's one of those quarterbacks that you know you see him at an all-star game and you can see a team taking him in like the third round or something like that falling in love with him so uh, I like Pickett I like what he's been able to do this year for sure but Brinley I'm gonna come to you who are you giving your second game ball to yeah, my second game ball is another player that I was my red dot prospect from Friday's show, and that's defensive end for Cincinnati Bearcats, my Jay Sanders. On the Friday show, I said, you know, he hasn't really done much in 2021. He had a really good year last year, de- debated coming out and declaring for the NFL draft, which many of us and me including were surprised that he returned. You know, I thought he could have been easily a second-round pick, maybe even a late first-round pick, but – Opted to return to Cincinnati, um, and again, he hasn't been producing at the level we thought he should be. And what better week than you know going against Notre Dame, a top five team, top ten team, to really show out? And he did just that. He had three tackles, one tackle for a loss, two quarterback hits, and one of those hits uh, was co- directly correlated into an interception. So I thought he was everywhere, uh, really disruptive. I love his length. I love the explosiveness, the bend, the ability to finish at the quarterback. Um, I thought he had a great game and he really helped himself because again, like outside of Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson, there's a lot of room for these edge of prospects, whether that's, you know, Drake Jackson, who we know had a good game or that's um, Adam Anderson. Like there's room to, to, to really raise up the boards. And I think Maja Sanders really helped himself. If the draft were next week, where do you see Sanders going? I got him in the first round. I really do. I think he's gonna test out. He's gonna, I think he's gonna test really well, um, and then again, I, I do think his tape from last year to me was first round worthy. Um, I, I just needed to see the bigger sample size, and if he continues to play like how he did on Saturday, I have a hard time seeing it not in the first round. I'm with you, and projections are kind of all over the place about him right now. But with his size, his length, and his speed, there's no way he gets outside of the top 40, even if he doesn't go in the first round or top 50 I should say and I think what Aziz Ojolari went like 42 or 43 and that was with yep. an injury too so um, you know he, he's kind of he's not similar to Aziz but just talking about the potential and the length and the speed and explosiveness that they both have I think that's similar too so Dre I'm gonna come to you who are you giving your next game ball to my next game ball goes to uh, Drake Jackson man Drake Drake made an appearance against Colorado Rado, uh this past uh, this past Saturday, he recorded uh, two sacks. Uh, it, there there are a ton of peaks and valleys uh, with Drake Jackson, but I need to see 
more consistency and maybe more production gets better competition uh, for him. He's uh, he's had two sacks against uh, Arizona in uh, in in, uh, in twenty twenty. Uh, he just had two sacks against Colorado, who is now uh, one and four, and he had a sack against uh, Washington State. Uh, who is two and three. I mean, like you certainly like the potential, but I definitely would like to see more consistency instead of splash plays against a uh, lesser, uh, lesser competition. And I think you're spot on with that. And that's something that we talked about during our summer scouting when we were bringing him up too, of where he just lines up in that wide nine and he just out athletes everybody. But you want to see him whenever they play in those big time games, not really disappear as much as he does. You want to see him have some high quality sacks in those big time games. And, you know, my last balls game ball is going to go to Aiden Hudson. Did y'all see what he did against Wisconsin? <laughs> Guy's that a monster. Is, that dude is unbelievable. He's playing at an unbelievably high level this year, man. Like he's been unstoppable. And I didn't see this coming like this. I didn't think he was going to come back from the injury like this, but I don't even see how he makes it out of like the top 10 to 15 if he no. tests as well as everybody's going to think he's going to test. And then he's going to have the production to back it up, too. Um, he doesn't look like I like looking at him on tape. I would never guess that he's six foot six. I, I would never have guessed that. But he's a big dude. Now, he's not super thick, but vertically he has it there. And he has like those broad shoulders that you can see him adding 10 to 15 pounds easily. But the motor that he plays with and just everything that he does with his hands already, what he already has in his bag is just very impressive, too. So. I think he has the game that translates really, really well. So Aiden Hutchinson gets my last game ball of this week. What he was able to do against Wisconsin really, really stood out. And, you know, there's going to probably be some teams that prefer him over Kayvon Thibodeau. And I'm not saying he's going to end up being the better player, but as far as the polish walking through the door and the immediate impact that he can have on the next level, I wouldn't be surprised if some team prefer him over Kayvon Thibodeau just because of the polish that he has walking through the door and how much he can help you right away. Now, that's not to say he has more upside than Thibodeau. I'm not saying that. But as far as how he can contribute right away immediately, plus the polish that he does have, I think there's a debate to be had as far as what Aiden Hutchinson has been able to show this year. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add as far as game balls or players that you wanted to shout out? I had a couple more just real quick. I think Evan Neal, um, he was, I mean, dominant. It, it, it was insane what he was able to do, the, the power he showed, just the push and movement he was able to generate on the line of scrimmage in the run game, and he was outstanding in the past game. I think there's no longer a question who's offensive tackle one. I mean, now it's we're getting to the, t- the point where is he the number one pick in the draft? I mean, that's really where this is heading, in my opinion. He's been that dominant this season to me. Um, and then lastly, a guy who's not um, eligible, but did you guys see B. John Robinson's stat line this week? My gosh. I mean, I wish Texas was good so he can win the Heisman. Like, I that's I have so much love for B. John Robinson. I know we talked about this guy over summer, and he is nothing short of sensational. I cannot wait for the 2023 drafts to talk about this kid more because he is unbelievable. Yeah, that 2023 running back class is going to be – Special, very, very special. You guys know how I feel about Jameer Gibbs at Georgia Tech, who's putting together a good season already, too. And there's plenty of others that we can't wait to talk about, too. But, Dre, I think you had a couple of guys that you wanted to add before we move on to yeah. our next topic. Yeah, to be brief, man, uh, 
my last guy, man, it, it's hard not to acknowledge what uh, what Drake uh, Drake uh, London is doing uh, at uh, at USC. Man, he's put up eye popping uh, numbers uh, in that offense. I mean, he leads the nation in receiving yards um, this past week. This past game, he had nine catches for 130 yards. Um, but he, he's been putting up us stats against every team um, in the pack, man. And he's been playing exceptionally well to set at least. I mean, so uh, definitely have to show uh, Drake London some love. Let me ask you this, Dre, just because I haven't watched London in depth. I did watch him last week. But that style of receiver, does it scare you a little bit as far as the one that wins above the rim? Uh, I think he is explosive, um, but as far as that type of way or the ways that he does win, that box out, jump up and go get it type of wide receiver, does that scare you on the next level as far as his ability to consistently separate on the next level? Uh, there are definitely some questions, and I know we talked about that some during the summertime, um, but, but, but I think this sometimes evaluators get caught up in uh, focusing on uh, what a player can do instead of highlighting the things that he can do, right? And I'm sure that there'll be an office or coordinator who uh, will figure out a way to put him in advantageous uh, uh, situations um, where he can win and do what he does best, man, because he's he's extremely athletic and long, he can run, and he's got great hands, um, great hand-eye coordination, man. I mean, so he brings a lot of positives um, um, to the uh, to the equation. I'm sure that there'll be an office coordinator who will find a way to put him in a situation where you can highlight the things that he does exceptionally well. Love it. All right, before we move on, I want to remind everybody about Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. With a new and updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use your promo code Believe, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's recap some of these games from college football week five. And I want to start with Georgia and Arkansas just because this was a complete domination by the Bulldogs defense and then also the Bulldogs offense, too. And this is the type of win that Kirby Smart loves to have. A ground and pound game combined with just playing dominating and attacking defense. They get the win 37-0 to over Arkansas. And this game was really hyped up. Um, myself and Brentley, we were really hyped about watching this game. We thought 18.5 points to give Arkansas was a bit egregious. And we thought Arkansas was going to be a little bit more competitive than what they were. But Georgia's defense is on an all-time great path. And I don't know if y'all watched them against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt could not get past the 50-yard line on them. And then Arkansas just could not string together plays consistently against them. And, you know, we're talking about a defense that probably has every starter that's going to end up being drafted from top to bottom, whether that's not this year, maybe even next year combined. But – there's so many 
there's so many good players on this defense, man. Like, this is a professional defense <laughs> already. Like, I would be fine with lining up with some of these dudes on Sunday right now. But, uh, Dre, I'm going to come back to you first. You are the area scout for Georgia. So, just what are some things that you saw in this game or maybe some players that caught your eye in this one too? I think the thing uh, generally that stood out the, the most, man, is that Georgia's defense continues to impress. I mean, like they play a style of football that will serve them well uh, late in the season when everyone's banged up and hurt. Um, they're able to run, to run the f- f- football and play good defense, and it takes the pressure uh, off of not having uh, a healthy JT Daniels there. I mean, so I tell you what, man, I mean, when they play against Alabama, they'll be fireworks, man. I can't wait to see it. Um, but again, like they have probably the most talented uh, uh, defense uh, other than Alabama in the nation. So um, can't wait to see uh, those two uh, match up against each other. We were talking about that a little bit pre-show before you got on, Dre, of how who's going to win that game is going to be really interesting just because I don't think Georgia can try Stetson Bennett out there and win that game just because they're going to have to score to be Alabama. It's not going to be like Clemson where they won like what, 10 to three or 10 to six or something like that. Alabama's going to score no matter yeah. who's playing on defense. They're going to figure out a way to score. And then I know this defense is really good for Georgia, but Bill O'Brien's going to find a way to scheme some things around it and they're going to put some points on the board. I'm not saying they're going to put 35 or 42, but they're going to figure out a way to score on this Georgia defense. So Georgia's going to have to figure out their quarterback situation. But staying on topic with this Georgia and Arkansas game, getting a little bit ahead of myself, talking about that Georgia-Alabama matchup that I can't wait to see. So, Brinley, I'm going to come to you. What were some of your biggest takeaways from this one? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Georgia defense was phenomenal. Um, shutting Arkansas out, who Arkansas really had an explosive offense heading into this game. Uh, Traylon Burks held a three, only three receptions. Shout out to Darian Kendricks, who was phenomenal, I thought, on Saturday. Um, but to me, my biggest takeaway was his running game. I mean, you, you look at you look at the stats right now. It's they had four players with ten plus carries. Um, I think they ran for over two hundred seventy three yards. You have three hundred monster and James Cook is a mirror white. Kendall Milton, who all three could probably be playing on Sundays. Um, it's, just, it's just really it's, – it's a fun football team to watch. But I do have some questions, Jordan, as you mentioned, where this recipe for success is working. But come playoff time, come SC championship time, when they're not given the luxury to not be in obvious, you know, passing situations – how do they respond? You know, Stetson Bennett, is he going to be able to make the throws on third and seven? I don't know. Um, you know, JT Daniels, is he going to be back healthy? You know, how is he going to look? Um, it's, it remains to be seen. But overall, you can't not be impressed with the job Kirby Smart's doing. Um, Jordan, credit to you. I, I know you do. You did told, told, tell us in the summer that if there was ever going to be a year where Georgia can, can upset Bama, it was going to be this year. And I think that holds really true. Obviously, as we say today, they're clearly the you know the second or first best team in the country, um, and, and they're, they probably won't be tested until the SEC championship game against Alabama. If Kirby doesn't do it this year, it's not going to happen, man. It's not going to happen. If Saban doesn't lose to his former assistants, I think he's like what twenty four and zero now. Now that he beat Lane Kiffin, so that's a great segue to our next game with Alabama and Ole Miss. Alabama gets the win 42-21. And the subject of this game coming into it anyway was Matt Corral, 
who was up and down in this one. Didn't really have a bunch of high moments. It kind of was a steady Eddie performance overall. Uh, I thought it was very average, but, you know, Alabama's defense played much better in this game than they have in previous weeks. I know there were some things exploited against Florida uh, that had people kind of down on them, but the thing that I'm most impressed with in this game is the quarterback, obviously. Bryce Young is so poised, man. And, you know, that's a credit to him playing so many big games, being a Cali kid. He's used to playing in these big games during his high school career, and he's just not phased by anything. And the other takeaway was Evan Neal in this one and just how dominant he was throughout it. So, Brilliant, I'm going to bounce back to you. And just what were some of your biggest takeaways from this one? To me, it's just how good Bama is on both sides of the ball in the line of scrimmage. I mean, it, it, it is outstanding. Uh, I thought Will Anderson played really, really good. Uh, the, he's a sophomore, I think, number 31. He was phenomenal. Henry Doe Doe was everywhere um, on, on Saturday. And I thought uh, Christian Harris played really well as well. Um, but again, I thought Ole Miss, they were just manhandled on both sides of the line of scrimmage. The damn offensive line just generates so much movement led by Evan Neal. They were, they were able to run for, I think, it was, what was it, 210 yards on the ground. Um, the defense was phenomenal. Matt Corral to me, he he showed some he showed some mocks. He he saw him make a couple big throws. You saw him score with, on the ground with using his legs. He was able to scramble. I don't think this game necessarily hurt his stock by any means. It definitely didn't help it. You know, I mean, he ran into a buzzsaw against Bama. He can't. He, he did what he can do, but I just think Bama is just so much better than Ole Miss as a football team that we were really just caught up in like the Matt Corral showcase game. We didn't really come to think. Well, hold up! Like the talent differential, the, the talent differential is is pretty substantial, and I think we saw that today. We saw that on Sunday or Saturday. I think we kind of got suckered in into yep. what happened last year with them, pretty much hanging in the game with Alabama all the way up until the fourth quarter. I think it ended up being like sixty-three to forty-eight. That was the score from last year's game. So everybody was saying, "Oh, Ole Miss is better this year," and but Alabama. I think defensively they're much better than what they were last year, especially on the second level. Henry Toto has been a godsend for them. He's so much better than what Dylan Moses was in the middle as far as reading stuff and just being a leader consistently there. But, uh, Dre, I'm going to come to you. What were some of your biggest takeaways from this one? Yeah, I think it's all uh, been said, essentially. I think the one thing that I would like to add, though, is that uh, as far as the Matt Corral goes, I thought that uh, – in a game where he'd be playing against a team that most resembles an NFL team that he did nothing to hurt his legitimacy to be in the conversation uh, for the number one quarterback in this class. I think they lost the game, but he didn't turn the ball over. And that is one thing that's been key for him uh, this season. It's a question that we had about him coming into the season. I think it, it, uh, from a quarterback standpoint, if you're not the reason that you win, you can't be the reason that you lose. And, and, I think that his uh, his ability to play solid uh, that game, all things considered, uh, did nothing to hurt him in the conversation to be the number one quarterback in the class. I'm fascinated to see how this quarterback class really unravels as we get closer to the pre-draft process in February, March, and April, and really the meat and potatoes of the month of the pre-draft leading up to everything. So. 
Let's see how Corral finishes up this year. His next notable game really isn't until November 6th. He should beat up on Liberty pretty good as far as their defense. But just the showdown, quote unquote, between him and Malik Willis is something everybody's going to have their eyes on, too. So looking forward to that one. But let's go ahead and go to our last game, which was Cincinnati and Notre Dame. I think this was one of the more entertaining games of the weekend. Cincinnati gets the victory 24 to 13. Probably the biggest win in program history. It was their first road win in program history. I think they were like 0-23 previously against top 10 teams on the road. So this was a big win for them. I thought Desmond Ritter was okay for the most part. He had a couple big-time throws in this one, but it wasn't one that I think really helped the stock a whole bunch. I just thought he was he was consistent for the most part. You saw him use his legs quite a bit too. Majay Sanders was my biggest takeaway from this one, though. I really enjoyed what he was able to do. So, Andre, I'm going to come back to you on this one. What was your biggest takeaway from the Cincy and Notre Dame game? I thought uh, I thought that uh, Desmond Ritter uh, played solid. Uh, I think he uh, I don't think he did anything to to uh, to, to to hurt his uh, to hurt his his uh, stock as far as being um, in the top five uh, of the quarterbacks in this class. I'm eager to see if Kyron Williams, uh, a player currently in our top 100, can improve. He can be an every down back. Uh, at the next level, man. I mean, so uh, that's something I'll be uh, be keeping an eye on going forward. He's a physical dude, man. That's what I love about Kyron Williams. When he steps up in pass pro, he's probably one of the better pass protection running backs in the country that I have seen anyway. So, yeah, I'm with you. He runs hard, too. I like him a lot. Uh, Brentley, what about you? What was your biggest takeaway from this one? My biggest takeaway is Notre Dame needs a quarterback, and they need one bad. I mean, it it, it was it was – not good if you're a Notre Dame fan. I think Jack Cohen got benched. Um, the other freshman, Buckner, he was okay. Um, he got replaced too. I mean, it was just – it was a mess. I mean, honestly, for Notre Dame passing. And I thought Desmond Ritter, he, play, he played good. You know, 19-32, almost 300 yards passing, two touchdowns. You know, Jordan, as you mentioned, he, he made some tough throws, some throws on, on third down. I thought he really needed to hit. He did. But then he had some egregious misses. You know, I, and that's kind of to me where – um, I struggle with him is he'll have a really good throw and then just a, a miss that you ask yourself, what, what are you even looking at? Um, and so I, I overall it was a good game from him, but I don't think he did anything to necessarily help his stock. Um, to me, it was Cincinnati's defense, which was phenomenal. Now, again, he, they were playing an offense, which outside of Michael Mayer and Kyron Williams, I mean, it's really, really struggling right now. But you saw Majay Sanders be disruptive. You saw Maude Garner get a pick. Um, those are two guys who most likely will be first-round picks in the NFL draft. Um, so it was a good showing for them. But overall, you know, not 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 too much to write home about in this game. I think, I think the best prospect on the field is the, this sophomore tight end, Michael Mayer. I mean, he, I think he's yeah. that good. Um, he was outstanding. Again, eight receptions, 93 yards. He runs routes like he's a receiver, and he's like 250 pounds, 260 pounds. He's phenomenal. Um, so he'll be another name we'll be talking about all next year. But overall, good game. And, and Cincinnati at this point in time has a chance to make the playoff. It's smooth selling for them through yeah. the rest of the AC, AAC. I'm looking at the schedule now. So it's Temple, UCF, Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, USF, SMU, and East Carolina. That's the rest of the schedule. <laughs> so it should be smooth selling for them as long as they stay focused and take care of business. 
they can set themselves up really well for a strong chance at the college football playoff. I think that's something to really monitor as we go on through the backstretch of this year. They have a really good team, though. I think the defense is really good. They have a corner that I like opposite of Amaya Gardner. He'll probably be a mid-round guy, Kobe Bryant. I think he stood out in this game pretty well, too. He's been consistent throughout his career, too. So a name to definitely keep an eye on, Kobe Bryant. He has a name that you definitely will remember. It's not hard to forget that at all. So uh, keep an eye on that name. But I want to go ahead and transition to the NFL now. And week four definitely was very interesting, to say the least. And, Dre, I want to give you a standing ovation just because you were 110% correct about this. So the Vikings played the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Baker Mayfield was awful. He was bad in this one. He was really, really bad. But this raised the question about what the Browns should do in the future. And that's all I was thinking throughout this game just because – I don't know if you can pay Baker what he's going to command. He's going to want that $40 million. He's going to want that same price tag. He's going to have the same price tag as Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, some of these other dudes that we have seen get paid. I'm just not comfortable giving Baker Mayfield that. And I know it may be a snapshot judgment of what I saw last week, but he's just been really inconsistent throughout his career. He had a big rookie year, a little bit of a sophomore slump. He was okay last year, but he's off to a slow start again this year and I'm not sure if you guys seen how many times he missed Odell Beckham he was wide open on the touchdown and he just completely missed him and he he was really really bad in this game so that raises the question of what the Browns are going to do moving forward now they're obviously going to ride it out with Baker this year there's no question about that but I think after this year and into the future they have a serious question to ask themselves if they want to find you know a Teddy Bridgewater type of guy that they think can keep this roster intact over the the long term or do you end up paying Baker that's the big question but also do you trade for Deshaun Watson that's another possibility that could be out there for them too so that's just something my mind was swimming just watching him this weekend but he was bad he was real bad in this one but that was my biggest takeaway from week four what about you Brentley I just want to follow up there I mean like okay if you are Baker and your Baker's agent do you have the balls, honestly, to go to Andrew Barry and say, hey, pay me like I'm Josh Allen's value. Like, how can you do that? I mean, like, I get it. Like, the latest quarterback always has to set the market and, and eclipse the last guy. But how can you in the right mind if you're Baker in Baker's camp even begin to suggest that you are worth what Josh Allen or even Lamar Jackson is going to get? Like, that is, to me – insanity and so if i'm the browns the only option in my opinion might be the franchise tag and kind of do them how washington did kirk cousins because it is the issue where i definitely don't want to pay you know baker 45 million dollars a year or whatever the heck josh allen's getting i also think it might be a little tough to replace baker because as as we've seen this ain't gonna be a good quarterback class for this year, who knows what's really going to be available in the open market. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be, I think that storyline, that dilemma is going to be one of the most fascinating offseason things to watch just because like, I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable paying Baker top dollar. I mean, I just wouldn't, but I also recognize, Hey, my team's winning, you know, for, for what we ask him to do, he's okay. Like, 
it might be tough. And and Cleveland has a win now roster. I'd hate to get rid of Baker and then, you know, find myself having to start a rookie or a player who may not be as good as Baker. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens there. But I'll go back to one of my uh, NFL takeaways, and it's to me, it's it's the rookie quarterbacks are really just focusing on Justin Fields for a minute. I know his stat line isn't necessarily something to write home about. It's 11 to 17, 209 yards and a pick. But if you sat there and watched that game, to me, I thought he was really, really impressive. I mean, he kept all the Bears offense on schedule, made some outstanding throws to the far hash of the field. He, he was sideline throws. He was, to me, super accurate. Um, and for me, it was also hit the threat of him using uh, carrying the ball with his legs and keeping the ball on zone options and so do zone reads really helped spark that running game, which is something I talked about with the staff. But you saw, you saw David Montgomery go over 106 yards and two touchdowns. And I think a lot of that is because it's the threat of Justin Fields keeping the ball, which is keeping another defender and, and inspiring fields and it's allowing more room for Montgomery. So I think just having fields in the offense, in the lineup helps the offense as a whole. And if I'm that naggy, I just don't understand how you can even consider going back to Dalton, um, which in today he's even said on record, if Dalton's healthy, he's a starter fields number two. I thought the offense looked the best by far that it's had in, in a while, you know, even since going back to last year, when they got hot towards the end of the year, and Bill Lazor started calling plays again, um, I just I was I was really impressed with Justin Fields, and to me, I, I see no way that I could take him off the field. Yeah, I don't. It, man, listen, if Nagy goes back to Andy Dalton after Justin Fields has shown what he's shown, they're gonna run that dude out of town quickly. Just because you can't just you can't do that, man. Like he's deservedly so. Just let him go ahead and do it. Just ride it out. Whatever happens, happens. You just got to ride it out at this point. But Dre, as always, I'm interested in getting your take on this Baker dilemma. And then, what was your biggest takeaway from Week Four of the NFL action? Uh, I think the horse is dead as far as uh, the things I've said about Baker, man. I mean, at this point, I think Baker is a game manager, man. I mean, and, and if you can't be effective uh, consistently when you have probably the best uh, running attack in the league, you got weapons like like Jarvis Landry, Odell, you got the best offensive line um, in the league, if not a top three line. I mean, shucks, man. I mean, everything is set up around you. you got great tight ends and Hooper and David and Joku. If you can't have consistent success surrounded by that, I mean, man, I mean, because Cleveland has a Cleveland has a top three roster from top to bottom in the league, man. I mean, so um, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, um, but I don't think uh, that the Baker is going to be the long term answer. I think I've said that for two years now. Um, but as far as takeaways from the league, man, I mean, there's so many young players who bought out, man. So many guys that caught my attention uh, this past Sunday, man. You think of Trayvon Diggs, man, who who is who, who has five picks in four games and playing exceptionally well. You think of Byron Murphy, man, who's second in the league in picks, man. He's got four with two touchdowns and he should have five. I mean, he is he's having a common out party. Uh, you think of uh, Mac Jones, man, who who isn't necessarily a great athlete and won't wow you with 
anything physically, man. I mean, but shucks, like you'd be hard pressed to, to not say if you were to do a redraft from the past year, man, he, he wouldn't be in the top top two or three. You know, I mean, and then you think of uh, you think of Jalen Hurts, man. I mean, like we talk so much about him not necessarily being the most accurate guy and all these things. But all he does is move the chains, man. Like, he, he's a chain mover. If he does it with his legs, if he does it with his arm, I think we didn't give him enough credit for being the competitor that he is, man. He went to Alabama, had to compete there, man, in in a tough situ, uh, situation, you know, as well as, uh, as well as Oklahoma, too, man. I mean, so – and – Everywhere he's been, man, I mean, he's just coming out on top. But my biggest NFL takeaway, man, I, I know I uh, wrote about this earlier, man, but I think the Arizona Cardinals are f- for real, man. Um, Kyler Murray is the front runner uh, for the MVP. I think the thing that surprised me most uh, in Sunday's win was their ability to run the football, man. Uh, Chase Edmond had 12 carries for 120 and, and, uh, yards. Uh, that was easily uh, his best game or top three to five game for him as a Cardinal. Um, the other thing that's surprising about the Cardinals is how well they're playing on defense, man. And uh, Vance Joseph is doing a great job. And you can write this in eight, man. But Byron Murphy's going to the Pro Bowl this year. You can write that down. He's killing. That secondary is playing really, really well. And I talked about it a couple of weeks ago after I watched them when they played the Vikings. Buda Baker is obviously special, but Thompson, the other safety opposite him, is really good. He was a really good find for them, too. Yeah. I think they need one more piece in that secondary. I think they probably need one more slot guy just because I like what they're doing on the perimeter there. But that defense, man, all those freaks and athletes that they have drafted is really starting to come together. J.J. Watt has helped them a whole bunch along the interior, too. Isaiah Simmons, the light is starting to turn on for him. Zayvon Collins has been great in the middle. He's still trying to figure out some things as far as defending the run and then seeing and triggering and flying downhill to finish tackles. But pass coverage, we already knew he had that already walking through the door. So I really like what Steve Kime has put together. And I know we all have given Kime hell throughout his, his career uh, as far as mm-hmm. not having a plan, but it seems everything is starting to come together for sure. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add before we get out of here? Uh-huh. All right, uh, that is it for our show, uh, our Tuesday show. Thanks, as always, for Jordan Reed, Trey Harris, Brentley Wiseman. We are the Read Option Podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and as always, follow the Draft Network on every social media platform. We have things coming out every week. Brentley just released his latest mock draft, so be sure to check that out. Dre has written plenty of articles this week, as long as my as well as myself. Make sure you guys go go check out all of that at thedraftnetwork.com. We will be back on Friday to talk about week six of the college football action. There is plenty of intriguing matchups that we will go through. We'll highlight our red dot prospects as well. Thank you guys for listening and see you on Friday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.